Welcome to the Evolvepreneur podcast channel, which is sponsored by Evolvepreneur.biz, a new online community-based platform designed to help develop your skills and knowledge to be massively successful in this new digital age. Your host today is John North, who is a three-time number one international best-selling author and strategic marketer. John's passion is to help business owners to master the online marketing world. So welcome to Evolpreneur um, podcast. We're also doing this on video. So um, if you want to view some stuff on video that you can't really see on the audio, then that's the best place to go. Um, tell you a bit about um, Christian Chivago. She's one of the world's leading experts on the consumer buying, customer buying process. She's one of the first to see selling from a buyer's perspective. She teaches, speaks, speaks and teaches worldwide for companies and organisations. She spent decades as a revenue coach helping Clients ranging from thriving young startups to those in Fortune 500, including Dow Jones, IBM, Johnson & Johnson. Chivago is now president and co-founder of Cloud Potential, a company that helps businesses of all sizes understand how to take control of their digital marketing efforts. She blogs frequently at the Cloud Potential blog, uh, Marketers Reality. Um, marketing is broken. She's, she is determined to make marketing work again. Fortunately, it's now possible to see what your customers and competitors are doing, thanks to Google and other cloud-based um, cloud-based analytical tools, and you will see where you can stand out and what, know what you can do. No one has to, to market in the dark anymore. No. Um, welcome to our podcast. I'm really grateful you come along. We, um, um, I'm quite interested in your subject matter, and I know you mentioned you read my book, so we should have a good time today. I agree. Thank you. Cool. So tell me a little bit about your background. What um, what, are you, what were you doing before this? A lot of people sort of morph into the computer the computer or the marketing industry from something else. Did you start that way or did you start off with marketing? I actually started out selling machine shop tools for Pratt & Whitney when I was 17. I was the first woman in the country to do that. And they, okay. just, <laughs> they just gave me a catalog and said, here, go sell. And so the first lesson I learned was if you don't know what you're selling, you're not going to make any money. Yep, don't understand uh, the product. <laughs> exactly. And and uh, I really didn't. And uh, people were nice to me. You know, I'd walk into machine shops and the, everything would shut down and they'd say, okay, honey, this is a while ago. Uh, you know, why are you here? And um, mm -hmm. so it, it just, I, I, I understood uh, I, that one needed to really understand technology. I started, I, I was immediately fascinated with the idea of technology and and selling. And those mm -hmm. two things together have guided my career ever since. Um, yep. So I ended up selling. Uh, I, then I got frustrated with marketing and said, you know, gee, I, I'm not really able to sell using these marketing tools. So I got into marketing. Um, my husband and I had an ad agency PR house in uh, Silicon Valley okay. for about 12 years. And then when the Mac came along, I told my husband, you may as well retire. He was 52. I said, just <laughs> You know, just go do, he's an inventor. I just go and invent stuff, make things. And I'll go in-house and I'll start okay. helping people in-house. And that's when I became a revenue coach and uh, started helping companies market in-house. And I've honestly been doing that ever since. Mm. And then my partner and I uh, started Cloud Potential, um, which is a marketing company, basically helping people get found and, and do digital marketing. Uh, we started our, the company in 2014, so it's been about uh, two and a half, three years. Okay. Wow. So, um, so basically, you've, you've grown up with all the whole, all the changes that have happened. So it's quite interesting, I think, when you look back now and you can see what's happening, 
Um, and, you know, obviously probably like me, you wish you invented Google at the time, but <laughs> at the end of the day, like... Um, no, probably I would want to be the head of Google, actually. No, not anymore. Just invent it and then sell it on, right? Let <laughs> <laughs> somebody else right. take all the headaches. Right. After but, the um, first... Yeah. Yeah. So no, technology has been interesting. And, and uh, you know, I was into technology before technology was cool. So... When the web came along in 94, I immediately bought Chivago.com, so I wouldn't oh, be good work. <laughs> uh, for that. And um, I just, I've just been learning ever since. It's really, you really have to keep up. You have to be constantly learning. And I have to say that marketing has changed more in the last two years than yep. it has in the previous 10 or five even. I mean, it's just been phenomenal. It's really it's explosion. Yeah. yeah. It's explosion and I think a lot of the mainstream companies have finally started to catch up. So they're they're starting to use technology. Like I was reading something like to me, like the, the latest messenger bots and stuff like that are very popular now. And the banking system's now looking at how they can use it. And and so suddenly it's becoming more mainstream. And so as soon as that happens, that some a lot of the people that are necessarily the smaller guys aren't paying attention start paying attention. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah. It, the good news is that if you if you use it properly, it can really help you. I mean, there's mm. so mm. much data now available, but what's really changed is uh, our consumers are walking around with a supercomputer in the palm of their hand. Yes, negotiating tool. <laughs> yeah, and between Google and mobile, and more mm. than half the searches are now done with mobile. Um, I yep. think Google came out with a study recently said that we check our smartphones 150 times a day. Yeah, um, and something like I think seventy three percent, what was it, eighty two percent of the of people consult their phones while they're in a store. Yep. So it's. I've been told to do that. I mean, I went to a shop a few years ago, about probably a year or so ago, to buy something. What asked the person's opinion and got cold to Google it, <laughs> and he walked away. <laughs> oh well, no commission. No commission for you, dude. Like, at the end of the day, like, I went into the shop. <laughs> it's like I got told to Google it. It's like a little bizarre. That's right. That's right. So what's happened is the consumers have gotten way ahead of us. Mm. And if we don't, if we're not where they are, when they are, with what they want, they're just, they're done. Yep. You know, bounce, yeah. stop, click, done, finished, never come back. Short attention span mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Like, they're not and seeing what they want. They're gone. Yeah, and there's more competition than there used to be too because it's now possible for uh, any company to see what any other company's doing. Like mm -hmm. if you go to something like SpyFu, you can look and see which ads they're running, how much mm -hmm. they're spending, which yep. ads worked and which ads didn't. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's all transparent now. You can mm -hmm. see which keywords they're being found for and you can go after them. You can see which ones they've been ignoring and see how many people are searching for them every month i mean it's, it's amazing yeah 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 well i got a i got a uh we did a virtual summit a, about a month ago so i interviewed someone um that runs a company called um um hub staff and what they do is they take screenshots and one of the things that they decided to do from the outset was to show all their financials through a dashboard so whenever new customers join refunds the whole lot's all shown Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why he does it is that he said, well, it's great PR. When he goes to go to a newspaper or whatever or, or an online magazine, he says, hey, look, um, you know, we show all our stats. They get interested. So it makes him stand out. But everything's there. As people, you know, sign up, they get told, 
Um, so I think yeah, the the social proof is what they can find out about you is what they find out about you is probably probably the next subject we'll talk about, which is SEO, I guess, because it's all very well to you know be in a situation where you're on the web, but if, what do they see when they go looking for you, right? So if they see the wrong things, yeah, and SEO is so misunderstood. Um, I, again, I've learned more about that in the last couple of years. Even though I was studying it all the time, it wasn't until I mm. met my partner who comes at all of this, as I always have, from a revenue perspective. Yep. And from, in his case, business management, he was running a company, he was the president of a, of a national um, company and, and really did a lot of pioneering work with um, uh, the types of products that they offered and that type of thing, very tech-oriented. Uh, and he keeps looking at all of this from the perspective of the business owner and the revenue and what you're trying to get mm-hmm. for the business, which is very different. It's much more strategic. Uh, and one of the things we talk about a lot is that there's too much emphasis on tactics. And you mentioned that in your book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you talked about strategy. In our case, we talk about principles mm-hmm. um, and how you you can't. Um, in fact, one of our principles is that everything has to be optimized for three different audiences. You have to meet the customer's expectations, mm-hmm. obviously. You have to meet stuff. Google's expectations, because if you mm-hmm. don't meet Google's expectations, the customers will never find you. Yep. And you have to meet your revenue expectations. And mm-hmm. you say, well, yes, of course, but that's mm-hmm. not how people look at it. They don't they don't realize that those that's like the cornerstone. That's it. That's the three-legged mm-hmm. stool that has to be in your mind as you're doing everything you're doing. And if you get there's to- a lot of focus. There's a lot of focus on like with SEO guys in particular, it's all about, oh well, you're ranked in a number of keywords, you're on page this, you're on page that. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean anything if the people aren't looking for it anyway in the first place. Yes, there's that that problem. And the other problem is identifying or creating your identity for Google. One of the things we do for our clients is we build a identity matrix for Google Mm -hmm. so that, I mean, Google's a robot, a very smart robot, but it's still Mm. a robot. It's still a dumb robot. (laughs) Does some bizarre things sometimes, right? Yeah. You have to hit it over the head over and over again with not by stuffing keywords, but basically Mm -hmm. with concepts. And Google's actually gotten very good at synonyms and understanding concepts. Yep. I think they have this word for it, latent inference, or I don't, can't remember the term. It's a crazy term. But it basically means that it, it can deduce things right. if you're in the subject matter. Yep. Um, but you're right about the idea that the data is not enough. You mm-hmm. have to actually be able to um, analyze the data. In fact, we're moving quite a bit in that direction, giving our clients uh, analysis for that type mm-hmm. of thing. We're, okay. So if someone's going to, like a lot of people say, look, you invest a lot of money in SEO, you've got to keep going with it, right? So if you if you start doing some SEO work, is there sort of a point where you can say, look, I've done what I can do and then I can stop? Because oh. obviously once you stop, <laughs> then you get overwritten, right? Oh, so yeah. it's, it's a bit of a, a never-ending story, you know? You know, years ago, I used to be able to say to people, I used to, when I was a revenue coach for decades, I, I would, the first thing I would do is interview customers who had already mm-hmm. bought. And yeah. the goal was to reverse engineer the successful sale so you could make more sales in quantity. And uh, one of the things that I discovered is that the customer's list was always 100% different than the company's list about what's mm-hmm. important to the customer. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they get that wrong. But if they start getting that right, 
then they would actually succeed. And if they understood what the customer really wanted and they'd get that data from the interviews and we'd start redoing mm -hmm. everything, um, they, they, they had a pretty good chance. But now, because everybody can see what you're doing and because Google has <laughs> such a structure, you know, they have 200 mm -hmm. criteria that they're looking at and mm -hmm. basing you on. And there's a lot of things people don't understand about SEO. It's not just about structuring your content or writing the content a certain way. It's also about how your pages are structured, um, who's linking back to you, um, mm. the directories that you're in. You know, there's about 50 directories that you need to be in in order to compete. And Google's looking at all of that and mm. saying, mm. you know. Instantaneously, too, <laughs> like within seconds. Yeah. In seconds. Yeah. yeah. And so where should I put them? Number one, what do they do? Which is mm. something that people are very bad at, at developing that identity I was talking yes. about. Yeah. And then, uh, so Google says, oh, yes, I know. They make this and they're mm. good at it. And here, and they're better at that than this. So I'll rank them up here. I mean, yep. I wouldn't envy uh, having Google's job, frankly. <laughs> uh, you know, trying to make those decisions. But... Mm. Uh, if you give them the right kind of data, they'll they'll do what needs to be done, and it, and it ranks you higher. Mm. Um, it's it's the problem is getting back to your point. It's so competitive now that you can't just let it sit. You, there's mm. no more setting and forgetting. Yep, doesn't work. And things change mm. too. Like suddenly mm. everybody will be searching for some new word that you hadn't even mm. thought of, and your competitor figures it out before you do, and suddenly they're getting all that traffic. Yeah. So you really absolutely. have to stay on top of it now. You can't market anymore without some kind of dashboard. So for the um, the, the uh, sufferers of the pretty shiny syndrome, which is typically what I call the, the the entrepreneurs or the online entrepreneurs who start one business, start a bit of website, and then change their mind, do something else, and they might mix it all up. Um, I would imagine that's going to create havoc in terms of search engines, particularly their name and their identity and no, yes, stuff. that's true. I agree with you. Um, it's also, though, an age of experimentation. It's so mm. easy now to set up landing pages and test concepts and mm. do AdWords. AdWords is actually really one of our favorite ways of testing concepts. You can be very specific mm -hmm. and set a budget and start where your competitors are, understand what's working for them yeah. and stand on their shoulders. You don't have to create it from scratch. Um, and you can test concepts and market ideas very, very quickly. My partner and I have gone through, I don't mm -hmm. know how many domain names and, and uh, mm -hmm. concepts. But when they stick, then, yes, you do need to work on it, and you can't let it go. You'll just yep. be post within weeks or months if you don't <laughs> keep on it. So um, back in the heydays when it's almost like I feel like Facebook ads, although they moved on a bit from now, it's kind of moved from that whole Google days where you could get like a 10-cent click scenario and you get it really cheap and um and now well, it's going to change some cheap clicks out there for long-term yeah. words there are some yeah. cheap clicks. yeah and i think it takes a bit of time to work so is google adwords um because one of my clients obviously you know have been using facebook ads because obviously there's a lot more information that you gather than you probably would gather from google although google does collect quite a bit um so if, if you if you had someone who was selling say a consulting product um, where would they go? Would they should they advertise in Google AdWords? Should they advertise in Facebook ads? Should they what should they do? Uh, I, honestly, I shouldn't answer that question because first mm. of all, what type of consulting service? Yep. Uh, you know, That's there's sure an easy one. <laughs> yeah, there's the obvious 
divisions like B2B versus B2C. Okay, so B2B mostly um, LinkedIn, surprisingly Twitter, because if somebody mm -hmm. actually comes to you from Twitter, they're actually a real person, you know, looking okay. for you. <laughs> Good point. Uh, even though it's, you know, you, people on B2B just roll their eyes about Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, I find and, it right. I get quite a bit of traffic off Twitter. Yeah, well, it depends on what you do with it, too. Mm -hmm. um, LinkedIn's been very good for B2B people, but I'm generalizing, and you can't mm -hmm. generalize. Yep. It's one of the things that, that is just so true anymore, and the reason that I hate personas is because as soon as you start doing that, you're, you're, you're kidding yourself yep. about yep. what could work. And the only way to really find out what works is one, to interview customers ahead of time so that you understand what's driving them, what their pain points are, like you talk about in your book. Mm. Um, and then uh, getting in the ballpark, understanding, you know, basically what they're looking for, and then start testing. Mm. So try both. Try both platforms, see what results you get. You can, and you try them different ways. We actually use all of them for mm -hmm. a, a lot of our clients because they actually need it. Now, uh and Google also sees, as you also said in your book, that mm -hmm. every tweet is a page in their yep. mind. It's a yep. backlink. And if it backlinks mm -hmm. to your site, it makes your site look more important. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things Google looks at. So yep. you you unfortunately have to do it all. Mm -hmm. I will yeah, say that yeah. we did, we did uh, uh, research on about 30 different industries, actually more than 30 industries now, and looked at what the leaders were doing. And one of the things we discovered is that, yes, they all had websites, but they put their their energy into six areas and made sure those were optimized. Right, and right. the areas were customers. In other words, we understand who the customer is and what they want, and we write for them and so on. Um, search, of course, paid search, yeah, uh, yeah. conversion. They made sure their conversion was optimized. So if come, mm. somebody comes in, they actually end up buying, as you again talk about Which in your book. Bear of mine. <laughs> the, the, the pages just, they write up a page, page and there's no conversion, there's no call to action, there's nothing. Just Exactly. You have to keep optimizing each thing. Um, uh, the, the fifth one was um, competition, understanding what the competitors are doing because you can see everything now. And the last mm. one is technology. And when we work with companies, start working with them, one of the first things we work on is technology. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit there, like yep. a site that's truly mobile, not just mm. um, what do you call responsive where it just yep. displays, but actually mm. one that consumers will want to work with and click on. and Or runs on Flash. Yeah. <laughs> or runs in Flash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of things you can do, and you mm. can – See that Google has a mobile tester and they'll actually tell you if your site's really um, mobile ready or if it isn't what you should do mm. about it. So you really should, to my way of thinking is most people don't do this. I think they feel uncomfortable. I don't know what it is. But number one, you should Google yourself mm -hmm. and to be your own customer and see yeah. what you think. And I, yeah. I kind of term it the lizard brain. But so basically just pretend to be your own customer, Google something, see how it comes up, take yourself to the website and then test it on the mobile. And almost everybody tests the mobile second rather than first. Mm -hmm. But the reality is the traffic is coming on mobile anyway. More um, than half now yeah. of all the searches are mobile. And it so depends. I saw an interesting, yeah, I saw an interesting ad yesterday actually by a guy that generates a lot of lists. He puts a Facebook ad up to be um, to ask a question about pricing. So it says is ninety seven, ninety nine, or one hundred dollars sell better than which sells better. So you met you you type in the in the ad the message. 
The message then um, comes through Messenger back to you. So basically you've got to type in, yes, I want that. You get a message from mes- Facebook Messenger to say, here's the link. I'll tell you mm. what it is. Mm. He then drives them to YouTube to watch the video. Mm. So what he's basically done is use three technologies in one run. That's pretty good. Think of himself, right? Because he's basically pixeled you on the way through from Facebook. He's managed to actually get you to engage in Twitter, oh, in Facebook messaging, which means now you can send you more messages. And lastly, he's managed to get his YouTube rankings up, which is going to help Google, right? Yeah, that's very smart. And I think that's a, a interesting thing that people forget to do. Like we ran an Amazon gift. Like this is something anybody can do. Actually, we in America anyway. You can't can't do it outside of America, but you can do a giveaway of any book in, you like in Amazon. So you can pick your own book or you can pick someone else's book, doesn't matter, um, and ask the people to do something. So like follow you on Twitter or view a video on YouTube. And so what you can do is mix up the technology. So you can offer a book to your marketplace that might be interested in it, might not necessarily be your book, and actually drive traffic back to do something else. And I think that mixed up technology where you're doing two, three things off one marketing is worth it. It's going to save a lot of money ultimately. Yeah, and that goes the engagement thing that you were talking about in your book. Mm. So could they retarget them from YouTube then on a normal Google ad? Does you because as far as I know, it's been whilst I've looked at Google AdWords to be honest. Um, if they if they look a video up on YouTube, are they retargetable through Google Ads that way? I don't know. It's a good question. I can find out for you. Mm, yeah, it's interesting to know because I know you could like I, I don't know whether you looked in the YouTube ads, but YouTube ads is kind of like the old old ten cent click thing. Yep. It does work for some markets. So some people yep. forget about YouTube altogether <laughs> when it's a yep. third most searched search engine probably. Um, so I think that, you know, YouTube's important in the mix as well to mine. Well, again, we're generalizing. I mean, you really have to understand your customer's buying process. And mm. one of the things that I've been talking about recently is that there is no funnel. That's a figment no. of our imagination. Like they're captive mm. in our funnel. No, they're not. <laughs> Bouncing out everywhere. <laughs> They're just bouncing around. They're like gnats, you know, out mm. in the sunshine. I mean, it's just uh, total um, attention deficit disorder, mm. big mm. just. So they, what happens is they they do have questions and yep. they're either researching or they're ready to buy or they're comparing. And again, these are things you talked about in your book. Mm. Um, and at a given moment, at any given moment, um, I think Google calls them micro moments. They will come to you with that question or that set of mm-hmm. questions, and you really need to be able to answer those questions in a way that satisfies them at that moment. Yeah. And um, and people crazy questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you really need to be able to do that, and it could be mm-hmm. anywhere. It could be in Twitter. It could be Facebook. It could be. Um, YouTube videos, you know, but you mm. have to understand all those little moments and mm. address your content to those moments. Which is something I'll sort of move on to is with content because obviously you, you talked about the fact that you run run the actual SEO, but you also focus on content. And one of the things that I noticed was very smart was a guy that did a YouTube video on how to do things. So he's very smart in what he did. He basically did the video and say how to choose the best audio equipment. Or, or the most video camera or whatever, something like that. What it's done is it's exactly what you're saying. It's answering someone's question. So the question is, and I, and I fell for it, so I went looking for the best video camera or something. I forget what I was looking for now. And and I saw the video, and, of course, it looks interesting, and, he, you know, he, you know, basically he answered my question and he was presentable. It says, hey, get a free thing down the bottom. So then he takes you to the website and it starts a conversation. But when you think back now, what he realised was that 
if I'm interested in video or audio or something like that, I'm potentially a customer for him because I'm, you know, like in my situation was consult, coach, consultant, author, that's they want to produce products because ultimately what he does is he sells you how to do products and create your own products online. Mm. And why wouldn't you be, you'd be looking for that information if you're going to do it, right? Yeah. So to me it makes sense and, and it sort of comes back to the content scenario we'll talk about is that if you can think out what your customer's journey is going to be like, the answer is question up front, he's going to be happy for that. Well, that's one of the and reasons why you interview your customers because you find out the things that are in their minds and we always guess about it and we're always wrong. We're mm. always wrong. I yep. mean, 100% <laughs> of the time. And this is after interviewing thousands and thousands mm. of customers. They are yep. always, we're always wrong. So, you know, when you, when you, <laughs> yeah, when you interview them and you get to know them as people and you start to think, and I've done this with copywriters all over the world. I've taught them how to interview their customers. And I remember a guy, Rob, I'll never forget at Dow Jones. And I, I came into his cubicle after we trained people how to interview. And he'd just gotten off the phone with a real customer. It was his first customer interview. And he just was going, oh my God. Oh my God. I said, what's the matter? He said, now I understand. Now I'm writing to a real person. I'm not just mm. writing to some faceless person who yep. has these generic needs, you know, and mm. I'm selling them. Mm. I'm actually, I've talked to this guy named John or whatever his mm. name was, and I know mm. who he is now. Mm. And his copywriting just went through the roof after that. I mean, it was, he really got good. And, and all of us can get mm. good or better if we understand who the customer is as a human being. It's very insulting when somebody yes. <laughs> sees you as a mark, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I it's, mean, it's I, when not pleasant. Yeah, no, it's not pretty. On the other end of the fence, when you're sitting on the, like, don't put yourself put yourself in the customer's shoes is a good old saying, isn't it? And I think, um, yeah, at the end of the day, like when I talk to authors and and even clients, I say, imagine your best customer, just the one person that you know, and you'd like a hundred of those, and write to them, because at least then you're going to write to someone you know. Like yeah. you say, you know, it's probably deeper than that necessarily talking to someone. But if you say, look, pick a customer out of the crowd and say, okay, he's my best customer. If I could have another 100 like him, that would be great. And write to that person. Focus on that person as being your best customer. And they're mm -hmm. also going to surprise you about marketing. I mean, these are people who are subjected to messages every 20 seconds. Yep. <laughs> um, one of our, our writers, our, our uh, content wizard, we call him. Uh, Sean goes out and just interviews people on the street about their buying habits with um, with uh, the web and so on. And um, one of the things that he discovered recently is that people actually like getting email from people they already know. Yep. And yeah. if it has something useful or a deal or something of value to them, they mm -hmm. actually don't mm -hmm. mind that at all. They actually no, look no. forward to it. And yet, yeah. people are very hesitant to send too many emails. Yeah, <laughs> you can definitely overdo it. Um, yeah. And I know you're an aggressive emailer, so I'm not telling mm -hmm. you anything you don't already know. But um, it's it's surprising how people want to get information or what they want from you mm -hmm. if you ask them. It changes yeah. everything. At the end of the day, I mean, I saw a good saying the other day. It's probably probably a bit pessimistic, but it says if you haven't insulted somebody by midday, you're not marketing hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I subscribe to that or not. Well, I think at the end of the day, if you aren't getting feedback, positive or negative, right? It doesn't matter whether it's positive or negative. If you aren't getting feedback, you probably aren't marketing hard enough. Yeah, that's probably because people. And so, I suppose it's a twist on the fact that you're going to get a, someone who's going to complain or have a go at you. But the yeah. reality is that at least he's noticed, right? At least he's noticed your marketing. At least it means you're doing something. 
Yeah. Um, if you're getting no feedback, you're not doing any marketing. Your marketing is either not working or you're not doing any. Yeah. Um, one of the two. But I think, yeah, it's got to get interesting. So, I mean, I, I know one guy that um, emails every day. Um, I, don't, I don't know whether I could come up with that amount of content, but he emails every day. And he, and apparently in the industry, in the online industry anyway, they say if you don't email your customer at least once a week in that industry, in the online side of it, then they'll forget about you. And and that's it. You'll you'll have to get back to where you were. As long as you're know, giving the them something of some value, that's true. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and just emailing and junk you know. won't get very far. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And I think thinking that thing. So with your content um, side of the business, what do you? What's your kind of? Give me some secrets of what you do in terms of content design. Because obviously, one of the things is that a lot of people they want to do content, um, and they start off doing content maybe. But then they just stop, and I think part of the problem is is they try to do too much content. Yeah, right? um, yeah. they overwhelm themselves with too much work. Um, so I'm always a believer that you should cut back your content and do good quality content and do less of it. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good. I mean, you're right, and it goes back to something you were saying earlier about being um, consistent and not mm. letting the ball drop. You have to keep hammering at it. It takes time to build up an identity with Google. You're competing with uh, thousands of other people mm. trying for those same keywords and so on. Um, there's a couple of things that we do that uh, really helps. One of them is, again, I talk about that identity that we build mm. for the client. So we really have a solid basis for um, setting up their their it's not a brand I don't I don't even think about brands anymore because actually brands don't matter much to customers anymore no. <laughs> uh, particularly the younger generation who just buy the cheapest thing they can get you know like <laughs> the cheapest thing they they tend to go after the company that gave them the best information and it mm. goes back to your book again mm. uh, you know making the right helping them make a right buying decision mm. so um, one of the things we do is we look at uh, obviously what the client's trying to to um, to accomplish and obviously what people are searching for. So we write articles about that. But we also look at the things, and that's all from Google's, the company's perspective and Google's perspective. Yep. So that kind of covers revenue and Google. And the third one being the customer, um, we look at the things that they share. And uh, a good tool for that is BuzzSumo, B-U-Z-Z-U-M-O. Yeah. Um, very good at testing, seeing what people share, what ideas. You can see the articles in your industry that have gotten mm -hmm. a lot of press. And you don't imitate it. You don't write yeah. the same article. But you can see the topic that has caught yeah. people's attention. And mm. um, Bizarrely, sometimes you wonder why. but <laughs> Yeah, depending. Um, but, but then you can write articles that are in the same vein. And it helps you get, you know, you're just... Mm. Again, the, the most amazing thing is, yes, they have the customers have a supercomputer in their hands, but honestly, with the amount of data that's out there now with uh, tools like mm -hmm. Google Analytics, Google Trends, um, the Google AdWords tools, uh, SpyFu, Moz, Alexa, BuzzSumo, there's just so much data. Mm -hmm. And if you use it properly and you understand what you're looking at, which is the second problem, and we're basically trying to solve that these days, um then you can make good decisions about what to do mm. next. Mm. Makes sense. 
So tell me a little bit about your book because um, um, oh, yeah, you know, show, show, book, hold show up my book to our audio listeners. We're <laughs> so in video now. So Roadmap yep. to Revenue, How to sell, sell the Way Your Customers Want to Buy. Yeah. Um, I wrote this book after interviewing thousands of customers and realizing that they really, that companies were just marketing in the dark. They just yep. were throwing spaghetti on the wall and it's very, mm. very expensive to do that. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it sticks. Uh, yeah, it doesn't, money sticks, it doesn't come back. <laughs> that's right. Um, so what I've done in the book is there's two main things you get out of this book. One is mm. that whole idea of thinking like a, a buyer instead of a seller. Yep. Because the minute yep. we become a seller, we start thinking like sellers instead of buyers. The other is uh, how to interview your customers. So I devote a whole chapter to that. Very specific instructions. Here's how you get them on the phone, why you interview them on the phone, not in person, why you don't do surveys, um, and the questions you ask and all that. And then uh, the last parts of the book are about the different types of buying processes. Right. And, and you map them out. So there's for light scrutiny products and services, medium scrutiny products and services, mm -hmm. uh, heavy and intense scrutiny products and services. And I really do say here are the types of questions they ask. Here mm -hmm. are who else is involved. Here's how you answer those questions. So you get a yep. lot closer to their buying process mm -hmm. using the book. That's why I called it a roadmap. Right. Makes sense. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think how many people do you know when you consult them that ever interviewed their customers as a matter yeah. of interest? Um, very few. And honestly, mm -hmm. but a lot of the clients that come to us have read my book. Because they don't want to do it themselves, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they're converted when they come, when they've read the book, mm -hmm. they're just like, oh, we have to do this. And some of them have because of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's time well spent. Ring up and talk to your customers, particularly if you're probably, if you're talking to the customers on a day-to-day -day basis, you've probably got a good, pretty good idea because they're telling you. But at the end of the day, yes. if you aren't, yeah, no, no, no. Even yeah. then, you still have to interview them because what you're looking for is information about their buying process. And one mm -hmm. thing I need to say is when you're selling to them, mm -hmm. they won't tell you what they're really thinking. No, no, not at the sales page. They'll no. tell you later, but they won't yeah. tell you then. Because they might try and get a better price out of them. <laughs> You know? uh, well, actually, the, the, the reason they tell you more is because now they're vested in your success. They bought something True. from you and they want you to succeed. So Yep, don't go broken not with the warranty, right? <laughs> So, mm, okay, makes sense. So, um, at which stage, like, should they do that interview process? Should, should it be fairly soon after they buy, or is it something like should it be part of the system they use on a on a day to day basis? Or you just do a one off thing and then maybe do it again in a year's time, or even as much as markets change now, if you do it once a quarter or once every six months and interview mm. five to seven people of any given type, mm. you're going to get the data that you need. And you'll right. find by the fifth to seventh call, believe it or not, they all start saying the same thing, mm. even though they've never talked to each other. And yeah. and you'll end up with a, a what I call the, the positioning statement, which is they're real good at this, but they're not so good at that. That's mm. your actual brand. Branding is marketing. That's the promise you make. But mm. your brand is the promise that you're keeping. And yes. all of your customers will use the same words to describe it, believe it or not. And it's always a strength, weakness. They're good at this, but they're not so good at that. And I think the best um, thing that you can get is if customer repeats back to you the marketing message you're putting into the marketplace, which I've had a couple do that to me. Well, you're like, you know yeah. <laughs> now you've figured it out because they say, I think I know what you do. And they go, yeah. this and that. You go, you're spot on. You actually read stuff, right? Yeah. 
and, yeah. and you don't get a lot of it, but sometimes you think, okay, yeah, they've read your stuff, so at least you know that your message is getting there. I think the message yeah. of what you're sending is important. Yeah. Mm. Makes sense. So um, thanks very much for um, for your time. It's, we've been growing up for ages probably talking about stuff like this. Um, but how do people get in touch with you? What's the um, – can they get in some more information about any of this? Do you have any free information they can get or um, where, would you, where would you take well, your initial – Obviously, they come to the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, cloudpotential.com is our site. Mm-hmm. We also have a radio show called the Digital Revolution Show, okay. and that's a site by itself, and that's where I blog, actually, right. yep. digitalrevolutionshow.com. Mm-hmm. Um, my email is kristen at cloudpotential.com, so yep. they can call me there or, or email me. Uh, that's cool. the best thing. And then, of course, okay. the book is available on Amazon. Mm, great. All right, so we'll put all those links up on the on the underneath the podcast so people don't have to remember all that. Um, but it's also handy to have it, so it reminds me to type in. <laughs> so, so really appreciate your time, and and um, maybe we'll talk again too. Maybe when the things change again in another year's time, we'll talk again. Well, that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot. Thank you. You've just been listening to another great Evolvepreneur podcast interview. We hope you enjoyed it. Please visit evolvepreneur.biz today to find out more about our online community and how you can take part. 